0: Hello and welcome to KnitCast with me, Marie Urshard Well, my special guest for this edition is the knitting designer, Debbie Bliss, and we're still here at the Knitting and Stitching Show, just taking a quiet moment out for a coffee. Uh, so Debbie, you've got some new lines out this year, Alpaca Silk DK and Cash Merino Astrakhan. Uh, could you tell me more about those yarns? I have a Cash Merino range, which has always been incredibly popular. Um, and I
1: wanted to extend that into a boucle. I don't particularly have a great feeling for fancy yarns, I think they're wonderful, but the kind of designs I work with tend to be more about stitch, so I like to use smooth yarns. But I felt that if I did go into more of a textured yarn, boucle was something I wanted to do, and I was seeing a lot of that kind of fabric around in ready-to-wear, so I was beginning to feel very excited about the possibilities of what you could do with that type of yarn. So I extended my Cashmerino range, which has 12% cashmere in, um, with the As- Cashmerino Astrakhan. The other yarn that I introduced last year was a wonderful, uh, beautiful alpaca and a silk combination, and that had been received so well, I decided to go into a double knitting weight, and then that really extended the possibilities of design there, because although I loved the original yarn, Because of its slightly thicker weight, it meant that um, I was looking for styles that perhaps draped. You couldn't do a lot of stitch texture because that added weight. So uh, when I decided to do the double knitting weight, that extended the kind of styles I was working with. And that was really interesting because with the Astrakhan, it was all about very simple designs or tailored designs because you couldn't get any texture with stitch. Then working alongside at the same time, I was doing designing for the alpaca silk double knitting and then that was really exciting because it was a completely different approach to those styles so i was looking for texture generous collars but getting cables and bobbles and uh, and
0: then approaching how that finer yarn could drape in a different way well your patterns have got a huge following and a reputation for very classic wearable designs when you're designing are you designing for yourself or do you have a specific person in mind I think probably when I'm designing, um, there's two different ways.
1: Sometimes I'll be um, if I've been informed by the type of yarn it is, so in a way, you know, it sounds very pretentious, but it's like the sort of yarn speaks to you in a way. I certainly think that I have a leaning towards the kind of knitwear that I feel comfortable in, and that is quite often knitwear that's perhaps slightly tailored because I understand my own shape so well now that I know what suits me. I also think that those kind of shapes are very flattering to all sizes and all ages. Um, I think what I found very interesting, being involved much more now in um, fashion knitwear, as opposed to children's wear, which was what I was first quite, which is where I first started working on the books on children's wear, is that the approach is so very different. And I think I I think what I really like to do is is think much more about women's shape. And so, although I want to have a fashion look, because I think that knitwear can sometimes look quite frumpy, is that it's trying to, in a way, perhaps update classic styles. I think about proportion a lot, because that can be really, really essential. It's like if you're going to a tunic, you have to have it at right length. If I'm doing something that's, say, longer line, I'm aware of the fact that most women might be slightly broader in the beam, as I am myself. So I'll think about how I can shape, how I can perhaps... um, Decrease stitches on the way up to the waist, and that's what I actually like to do. And it's given me huge satisfaction when I'm going around to perhaps do presentations of my designs and yarns to a group of, you know, mainly women. Um, when they're trying on the designs, I find it just still really thrilling to see, as I say, different shapes, all being able to, I think, try on the designs and and I think look really nice in them.
0: And. Is there a particular, and I I know this might be a bit of a difficult question for you because there are so many designs, but is there a a particular design that's more popular than any other?
1: I think what i found is, rather than perhaps um, knowing exactly what might be the most popular shape, is that um, one of the really great things about meeting knitters and, you know, talking about the books and the garments is is that, and particularly now that I have a a loyalty club where um, I can go into the, um, the knitting forum and I can see things that perhaps people want to be addressed. And I've just said in, say, the last newsletter, if there's anything you think that I don't address, it'd be really interesting to find out what you're looking for in my designs. And one thing that did ha- actually has come through in the last few months, I think, uh, is that people have felt that sometimes I haven't um, designed for larger sizes. And that's actually really made me go back and look through the books and see if I have addressed it properly. Sometimes I've been able to reassure people and say, actually, if you look at the actual measurements, or look at some of the styles, you'll see that they do where possible in order to, and still keep the integrity of the design, go up to perhaps a 44 or 46 inch chest. But it did actually really make me think, uh, have I done that? And I, in some areas I can see that I haven't. Um, and so, particularly, say, in the last club pattern, um, I've made sure that it's sized up to a larger size. Um, and where possible now in all my books for adult and sort of the fashion knitwear, I'm looking to see whether, as I say, you can't do it on every design. There are some designs that lose something, an element, when they grade up to a bigger size. And as the person who's looking at my book will be seeing the smaller size, they might may think that... Um, that they won't be getting exactly what they're seeing in the photograph and I think I have to stay true to that but it has made me address that and I think that that's what's really good about As I say, when you're
0: going around and talking to knitters the feedback is always invaluable we've been talking about your pattern designing and I'm quite curious where do you tend to design your patterns do you sort of sit down in you know in your studio I assume or in your home and design or do ideas come to you just say where you sort of scribble them down can you tell me a bit more about the design process for you I do kind of fit the cliche of the designer that goes around with a little notepad,
1: and I, I do actually do that so that every time I'm travelling, because I travel quite a lot for work, so if I'm on a plane or a train or, or in the car too, I find that I'm co- I have sort of like little doodle books and I'm co- constantly scribbling into that. So sometimes when people say, um, you know, what am I inspired by? in a strange way it doesn't really work that way around I think it's I love the idea of putting stitches together so I'll be drawing little bits of cable and, and bobbles and thinking about shape and things like that so and in some ways that's really the most exciting bit for me there because at that point it's like everything works it's only unfortunate we actually get down to the you know the needles and the yarn you go oh dear actually you can't run that cable up into the collar there or but that's in some ways unlike perhaps the most knitwear designers that is the bit where i get really excited and i can fill sketch pads and and i like doing things like you know if i see colors like like bits of fabric i cut them off and stick them into this book so it's a kind of little sort of um very kind of personal book of where i'm putting in colors bits of yarn bits of fabric postcards or i might tear things out of magazines it might be that there's a an ad for something, it may not be about knitwear, but there's a colour I like in it, well I'll I'll do that. So that tends to be how I do, and I've got so many now that sometimes I can look back over things I doodled four or five years ago and never went into a book for various reasons and go, I can see how that would work now, and now I've got the right yarn for that one.
0: Of your yarns, is there any particular one that's the best seller out of all of them? The best seller will be the Baby Cash Merino, without a doubt.
1: How did you first learn to knit? Who taught you to knit? I, um, in some ways that 's quite often the uh, question I dread because I liked i 've always wanted to be able to say something quite appealing and romantic you know being taught on my mother 's knee or something like that but i've got absolutely no idea and my mum bless her was not the best knitter and uh, would quite often have a project on the go, like my school cardigan for possibly five years <laughs> she 'd get it out every autumn and start again. Um, but then she'd find a book that she'd rather read. So I can't. I don't think that would necessarily be my role model. It was really. I mean, I did knit because I think you know we're talking back in the fifties. You know, little girls did knit really, and you had those fantastic little kits. I think I was. I think I preferred the kit to the actual knitting at that point because you've got brightly coloured needles and balls of wool. Um, but to me, it was when I was at college and I was at art college when there was a, a, a kind of rather. It was a really interesting time. It was when people, people like, people like Klaus Oldenburg, were taking a sculpture and making it, going into areas that was soft and spongy, and um, there were things like knitted cakes were made out of um, towelling. It was a, it was a really interesting time to be involved in textiles. So I started making knitted structures, and then I started working on knitted plants. It was through that Liberty sold them. And various kind of slight eccentric shops down the King's Road and because I got publicity to that it, that's when magazines approached me and said you know what if I interested in doing um, hand knit
0: designs for them but up till that point it was really machine knitting. Obviously you're, you're a full-time designer do you ever get much time to knit for pleasure anymore or is it all about sort of uh, working up designs? No, it's. No, it, it's strange because, I mean,
1: knitwear designers, we do have this, inc- the, the, we do have this ridiculous joke, you know, because we, we'll be somewhere where you'll see the, the knit and relax group and the first thing is relax. Strange thing. Um, but because <laughs> it, is, it is very different and sometimes people who are passionate about knitting will say to me, um, you know, I'd really like to work as a designer, I'd like to do it as a living, and the first thing I always say is make sure that by doing that, when it becomes a job, that it is different, and and you know there'll be times when I can get really excited about um, just knitting a little beanie hat just for pure pleasure, and the and then I can and the relaxing of you know, knitting in the round, and and I can still get the excitement of when a swatch works, um, and you'll think oh you know when a, I can do five Fair Isle samples and they're all dreadful, and then you do the last one and you go what's oh, it's not bad, and so you, you you still get the excitement about the work and the, the passion for it, but. It would be really um, dishonest of me if I didn't say that. Then you have the deadlines of photography, you have the deadlines of you know in, in publishing, and um, or you're waiting for yarn to arrive, you know, from Italy, and it hasn't arrived, but you know that you know you've got to get the garments knitted up. Then perhaps in two days, rather than the. Three months that you thought you'd had earlier. So to say, it would be dishonest not to say that it, it brings a, a different perspective to it. But I can, I still love occasionally if I'm working on, say, a, a baby book, um, to do yeah. perhaps one or two of those myself, and then I do really enjoy that. But I, it really has to be a small project now because there's
0: just such a huge amount of work. Well, you've recently started Debbie Bliss the Club. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about that and what's it, what what it's about?
1: I think one of the things I've always felt really strongly about is that I've always felt I've been in my work incredibly lucky um, I felt that when I first started which was you know 20 years ago that you know I just had had my my son and uh, I started thinking about children's wear you know I wanted stylish knitwear that was also practical there wasn't anything around and there was nothing around at that time so um, say i think i've been very lucky because there was a a niche there and i was able to fill it but the reality of it is however successful i've been my success has depended on the fact that people have liked the designs they've bought the books and now they buy the yarn and i feel that as i think that's been a real privilege and what i felt i wanted to do was um almost create a kind of it's almost it sounds terribly sentimental i'm prepared to risk that and say it's all my creating a kind of family I think and because um, I know that I've got some brilliant retailers I'm absolutely dependent on but obviously they're not always able to tell the story behind a yarn or um, involve, I love the idea that when people are buying say the alpaca silk that they might might be interesting knowing how I may have chosen the colours. Um, I like the idea I'm able to tell them perhaps forecasts for fashion that might be happening next season because I've been to the trade shows. And I also wanted to create something where there was something that i was um had direct contact with people say through the knitting forum so that i can know perhaps things that as i say with the sizing it may be things like do i dress boys or men's designs enough to get that kind of feedback in that way i found invaluable um and also um it's because I provide four um, exclusive designs um, a year for the membership, that's made me think of uh, perhaps different designs I may may do that I might want to particularly put in a book. So, but the essential thing was always a way of going um, of wanting to get that kind of contact with people, and as I say and, and saying thank you really. So, what do people get when they join the club? When they join the club, they'll get a welcome kit. Um, this year, it's been a cravat and berry pattern and it was four balls of my alpaca silk because I thought for people who may not have actually um, come across that that particular range before it was a great opportunity for them to enjoy knitting with it um, and then perhaps finding out you know about the more patterns that are available in it. There's four newsletters a year and this is when I probably say it might be I've been to a trade show and say these are the kind of yarns that are coming through, Um, these are kind of colours for next autumn you know it's plums or clarets or um, I'll talk about projects I'm working on say I've dropped work on you know um, A simply family book will be coming out in the autumn look out for it then there's also a uh, one of my pattern 12 design pattern booklets will be sent to them just before um, publication sometimes and there's a knitting forum where people can get together and chat and discuss ideas and like that too
0: so what's next for Debbie Bliss can you give me a hint at all of what we might be able to expect in your new lines in the future there's,
1: um, I'm doing one uh, new, completely new yarn for spring, which is a pure silk yarn, which I'm really, really excited about because I've never worked in uh, pure silk before, and so that's I've approached that in a different way. Um, and because it's such a kind of I think a classic but a very elegant yarn, I've just finished work on uh, photography on the book for that, and again the yarn also informs not just the design about how i want to shoot the book so on the silk book i've gone for um um one of the models is an older model i've thought about classic designs but also um some of them have a slightly younger look but it's still retaining you know a kind of a says a set of elegance to the design i photographed it in a in a uh rooms that look like French chateau. so that's been quite interesting, I really loved that working on, not just on the designs but actually working on how that was then going to be portrayed in, if you like, the style of the book too the other yarn that's coming out in the spring is once again extending the Cash Merino range and that there will be a double knitting weight in that, which is actually one that people have been asking for so again I'm very excited about that too because as I say the Cash Merino range has been really successful um, but this just gives a slightly lighter weight um, and sits between the baby Cashmerino and the Cashmerino Aran too. I usually do two books a, a season um, of the smaller, you know, 12 design booklets. The other one that's coming out with a silk book is a book called Wish You Were Here. And as a contrast to the, uh, to the silk book, this is very relaxed. It's, the theme is... Um, Long seaside weekends. It's a very casual look. There's um, designs for men to it, it as well. There are two designs in there in my denim yarn, and this particular denim that I'm doing, which coexists with the one I already have, are in colours that fade. So that's really interesting. There's two designs there. There's also designs in
0: my spring yarns and cotton ranges, but using where possible the new colours as well. Debbie Bliss. And if you want to find out more information about Debbie's yarn, patterns and her club, you'll find links to them on the KnitCast blog. That's at www.knitcast.com. Well, this is the last KnitCast of 2005, and it's amazing to think that this time last year, I barely knew what a podcast was, let alone had thought of starting my own. Now the show is in its 19th edition, and has over a thousand subscribers so thanks again to you all for listening to the show and of course there are now several other knitting related podcasts you'll find links to them all on the knitcast blog including the latest the knitting newscast
1: is a podcast about the knitting world it includes the latest knitting news along with
0: reviews of knitting websites patterns books stitches yarn and a whole lot more Come listen to this fun, entertaining, and educational podcast on knitting by Rhonda Bell from Austin, Texas at www.knittingnewscast.com. Well, Brenda Dane is another knitting podcaster based in Wales, and we met a couple of times and exchanged many emails and phone calls. I'm recording this on Sunday, and I met up with Brenda and her partner Tonya yesterday, and they gave me a Christmas card, wishing me a potastic Christmas. You too, Brenda. Hi, I'm Brenda Dane, inviting you to join me for the Cast On Christmas special,
1: featuring festive knit tunes, Chicago writer Franklin Habit, and a holiday montage from my new best friends at Chubb Creek. That's the Cast On Christmas special, downloadable from
0: Friday, December 23rd. So that's what Brenda has planned for her next edition. NickCast will return in 2006. And who knows, maybe I'll have found a theme tune, well, a Podsafe theme tune for the programme that I like by then. So who can you expect to hear on the show next year? Well, let's see. We've got Kerry Allman from Magnets, Annie Modzit, Anne Bird, Jordana Page and Shannon Oakey, just to start with in the new year. And we'll also be running a competition, to win a Geordana Page Knitter's Messenger Bag. So until then, and for those who celebrate it, Ndolly Llowen, a Bloyddin And that's Welsh for Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, I'm Maria Shard, and that was Knitcast. Thanks for listening, and see you in 2006.